The Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast is sponsored by Church Comm Team. Whether you're starting from scratch or you're trying to grow, Church Comm Team can help you with your communications at your church. Go to churchcomteam.com and request a free consultation today. We feel like that the biblical model of church is everybody comes together and creates an experience that is unique and better because of everybody's participation there. Church online is not a, a Hebrews 10 issue. It's a Mark 16 issue where Jesus says, go into all the world and, and preach the good news. A big part of how we define success moving forward is to recognize that the people online have value and they are truly members of our congregation. Culture everywhere within society has adapted, yet we, the church, are still stuck in this 2020, and is it even really working? So, hey, why are we going back to that again? I think organizations and churches that have the ability to dream and haven't been able to actually execute, like, this is where you have the chance to fail forward. So, welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. I hate talking to robots, especially the ones that answer the helplines, filter customer service calls. In fact, I often just press zero immediately to see if it will bypass and ring an actual person. And sometimes it does. It just feels so impersonal to get an automated response, right? I mean, who likes that? But, but not always, not always. Automated emails after a purchase are actually really nice because they are helpful and don't waste my time. My favorite kind of email is the one that doesn't waste my time. I like the one they send right after I join a list too, because that one usually has a free gift in it or something I ask for. In fact, if you want a free major messaging calendar, go to sethmuse.com slash calendar and I'll do the same exact thing. And when it comes to the church, a place that operates on relationship building and the personal touch, it's understandable to wonder at how personal an automated email can be. Is it possible to start an actual conversation with someone via automation? Can automated emails and text help someone connect deeper into the church? Can it be personal? We believe the answer is yes. For one, the data shows it, and two, we've experienced it. So that's what I want to get into today. And our guest today, Julianne Alkir, works for CMU and helps with the email process that they have there in uh, creating these personalized emails. So I'm looking forward to talking to her and how we can help people connect via automations by humanizing those automations. So let's get personal and learn a little bit more about Julianne. Julianne Alkir works at Church Marketing University, which means every day she gets to serve the local church, whether that's planning and executing communication strategies, talking to church leaders about the questions they're asking, or working with the team to develop and promote resources that help churches get more visitors every single week. She lives in Michigan with her amazing husband and owns more notebooks than any sane person could possibly need. Sounds like a problem. Julianne <laughs> is on the team who writes and schedules emails for CMU, as well as creates resources for churches to help them communicate via email. And you can connect with her on Instagram and Facebook at Church Marketing University or at The Adventures of Julianne. So please welcome Julianne to the show. Hi, how are you? Hi, Seth. I'm good. How are you? Doing really, really good. Uh, really appreciate you being here. We're, they won't know this on the podcast, but it's early in the morning uh, where I yeah. am. 9 a.m. Okay. 
great. I mean, I'm I'm in a different time zone, so it's 10 a.m. where I am, but still. <laughs> Hour of Zoom. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad that you're here and, you know, we've known each other for a bit. We actually got to go uh, to the CMU conference recently and uh, experience that. How was that for you? Oh, it was great. Just so many people that I had met via Zoom, you know, in, in the Facebook groups that I'm in and like actually got to see them in person. It, it was great. I loved it. I did too. And, and you have to meet some new people, people that I've kind of obscurely known about. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. spaces, I've seen them asking questions, answering questions. So it was really cool to get to know some of them. Yeah. And, uh, meet them face to face. Really, really cool. That's a great community. Uh, CMU is a great community. So if you're out there and you're listening, you don't know what CMU is, Church Marketing University, churchmarketinguniversity.com. Go check it out. And there's a Facebook group and there's resources and training courses. It's amazing. So totally worth all the time and effort that's been that you could put into that. Also, Ryan Wakefield. Good friend of the yeah. show, owns CMU, and he's on another episode here. That, yeah, he's my boss. So yeah. he's great, one of my good friends, and uh, he he did an episode of this this podcast this season. So go listen to that one about that conference and find out kind of what we learned. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, and, and it's funny too because a lot of that there were things that we learned that were like, yes, if we could do everything we wanted to do, what would it be? Would it work? And we, like, yeah, some of it worked. A lot of it worked. Some of it did not turn out like we wanted it to. Right. We might do that a little different. So lots <laughs> we learned. It was awesome. It was a really great experience. So today we want to get into how we make email automation, text messaging even can work this too. But like specifically with email, how do we make that personal? You know, as we've discussed communications in this digital space? How do we do church? How do we reach people in the digital space in this new era of the church? I want to, I want to jump into this. So uh, automated emails, people feel like they're not personal. People feel like they're, you know, they're just a robot talking to you and, and you guys are leading other churches and how to make those personal. And uh, later I want to get into the nuts and bolts of like good email process and practices. Right. So we're going to get to that. But first I want to really go into like, okay, how do we make this personal and successful, especially like newsletters, welcome sequences, things like that. So many churches have a newsletter. Most don't have a welcome sequence. What is a welcome series? What makes that successful? Why should they create one? Yeah, well, and I wanna I wanna go back and say like a lot of the criticism about automated emails is warranted, right? If you get in there and you're not thinking about how you're gonna do it, and you're just like, okay, people need to know this, people need to know this, people need to know this, and you're not putting the thought into it, it can seem really impersonal and not relevant. So when you're making a welcome sequence, a welcome sequence is different from your newsletter because you're writing it to a specific group of people. You're writing it to people who have just joined your email list. Now, um, if you're if your church doesn't have an email list, which I think is pretty rare in this day, or if you're like refreshing it, you could have people joining your welcome list who have been around for a while. But in most cases, the people who are joining your welcome list are going to be new to your church. So there's a very specific set of questions that they're going to have and that you're going to want to answer. Like you might be tempted to say like, oh, we're just going to put them into the normal email list. They'll get the newsletter. Then they'll know everything that's happening. You don't want to do that. You want to start by saying like, okay, you're new thinking about what questions they have and saying, okay, like we're going to answer those questions first before we just act like you're part of our body and you've been here for years and years and years and you know what's happening um, when we use our acronyms or whatever. Yeah. That's a little little jarring, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm Seth. Now 
here's all my favorite hobbies and here's everything about <laughs> and here's what we're doing. You want to, you want to come over, you want to hang out. Do you want, it's like that's yeah. hot fast. And yeah, for sure. I feel like there's a, there's a shift that's happened, you know, in, in what that means. So like there's a time maybe where that was a little better. I don't think that's ever been good, but still I'm where, you know, people kind of expect that they're moving fast because email was seen as impersonal, you know, when it first happened, it's just a way to send a note to somebody, mm-hmm. but now it's a, it's a primary communication tool. So everyone has yeah. it's the key to the internet. You can't have anything if you don't have an email address. So everybody's got yeah. one. Yeah. And you have to consider that, you know, hopefully if your church is doing a good job of reaching like new people, maybe not everybody who joins your email list is going to know what to expect from a church or like how they should be involved. They might think, Oh, I watched, I watched the live stream and like, what else am I supposed to be doing? Or, Oh, I've come in person once, you know, how, how do I get connected? They, they just don't know. Yeah. It, it's, kind so, of, it's kind of part of that guest services wing of your church. I mean, your, yeah. your se- sequence is kind of for, you know, people that are just showing up, like you said, but then your newsletter is more for like, you've been here for a bit and you kind of know a little bit about us already and you're, you're, you're on board. Right. And you want to know what's happening at that point, right? You're going like, okay, this is my community and I want to know what's up. Um, but you don't want to get, you don't want to plunge people like from zero to 10, as far as involvement, you kind of need a way to bring them along for that journey. And the welcome sequence will help you do that. Yeah. So let's, let's on that welcome sequence, how do you make that personal and make that feel like it's not just an automated because people know it's automated, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. Know this is not automated. Uh, sorry. They're going to know this is automated from the fact that it happens so fast or if, you know, as soon as they sign up and it's a Saturday and somebody fires an email, you, they know you're not working. Right. So yeah. make that feel personal when you send those emails out. Yeah. So I think there's definitely, there's a few things that you can do. So let me like, try to organize my thoughts. The first thing is the tone that you use when you're writing to them, even if it's automated, if you're using a personal tone, that's going to go a long way. And I think coupled with that is knowing how people get on that welcome sequence, right? So if you have a plan your visit button on your website, which if you don't, you should, that should be firing off your welcome sequence if somebody plans their visit, or at least it should get it started. Um, so then you know, like, okay, they're getting this email because they planned a visit. So then you're able to go from there and talk about, okay, this is what to expect on your first visit. Um, so it seems personal, it's relevant information that they're going to appreciate if they open the email. And um, it's very specific to the action that they took. It's not like, oh, hey, you know, you jumped on our email list. So here's a list of all the ministries in our church. It's you planned your visit. Here's what to expect. And then you go from there. Right. And it feels like plan your visit and that sequence you would get should be different from a we visited and gave you our information series. Absolutely. Yeah, it should. So you need to know like how that started. So I think um, the one thing that I mentioned, like plan your visit, you're telling them what to expect. If they filled out the card, you don't want to send them an email that says, here's what to expect. They've already experienced it. So then it's like, okay, hey, thank you for connecting with us. Here's how to get more involved, right? So then you start working into your guest services um, or like next steps. If you have next steps for new guests, um, you know, what, whatever that is, if it's like, hey, you know, um, attend, attend a party or like get coffee with the pastor or whatever, um, we'll get you plugged into small groups. We'll get you plugged into volunteering. Whatever those next steps are, that's what you want to be leading them toward at that point. What what I find often with that, and you've kind of hit on this, is that what makes those things really personal is that you actually have a plan for what yep. 
Like, like yeah. you, you need to know how they get into that list. And then you just moved on. Like that wasn't a huge thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause to me, like that is like, this is what I deal with. Right. I know like I have yeah. to have the plan before I write the email. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It was, it was crazy. at CMU. you're going to kind of lift the curtain. We just finished, um, a launch at the kind of at the beginning of 2022. And while we were planning for that launch, I was also planning my wedding and I knew that I was going to be on my honeymoon while we were doing the launch. So I was automating all the emails we were going to be sending out for that. And it was amazing, like knowing how we were going to be out of town. I was talking to one of my coworkers about this. I was like, it was amazing knowing that I was going to be out of town. I was like, talking to people. I was like, what's the plan? Where are we going? We had to iron those details out because I knew I had to get the details right. And I knew I had to schedule it out. So like you really do end up with automation. It makes you plan, makes you start with the plan and then go, okay, here's, here's what we want people to walk through. um, And and here's the questions they're going to be having. And then that opens up the doors for conversation and just helps you really know like, okay, we've got our bases covered. Right. So, and, and I think in, in the sales world, they call it a customer journey. In, in our world, we would call a, you know, your church may have something similar, like a discipleship path. Like how does somebody yes. from visitor to plugged in member carrying the flag for your church? And, and it's kind of the same principle of understanding that map, this journey map for what if people interact with us first at Facebook? What if they interact with us first? at our website. What are we at? You know, what do you want them to do next? And how does that lead them to becoming that flag carrying, what we call you know, a, a brand ambassador in the marketing world, but an ambassador for like getting more people to come to your church and not just come to your church, but like get more people connected with Christ. Right. So yeah. having that pathway is so important. And, you know, I think a lot of churches are investing in that time, but there's many that don't, they've never thought through like not just email, but how does a person go from the digital space to the face-to-face, right? Right. And, and yeah. we thought about parking lot to pew, but we haven't thought about digital space to the deeper face-to-face stuff. So I think that's important as you, as you pull those, those lists together. And I would say too, like in your welcome series, you mentioned like that's where you're starting to introduce your church. I mean, those are great opportunities to say, here's our student ministry. Here's our kids ministry. Here's how to check in. Yeah. Here's Good job. You know, connect with us on social media if you haven't already, you know, those types of things. But when you plan your visit, it's more like, hey, here's what to, here's where you go. Here's a map of the church. Here's a video maybe that you've done that walks through the place, shows them where to go. And we know there's three things they want, right? They want to know where the front door is. They want to know where the bathroom is. And they want to know where the check-in is. And, you know, put those in the email. So I think there's a lot of good stuff there for distinguishing between those two things that you can automate. Yep. When it comes to, you know, the voice, the tone types of things you mentioned, kind of making it personal that way, but describe how you would write something in like a welcome sequence that would feel inviting and welcoming. Like yeah. What type of voice and tone are we talking about? Well, the best way I can describe it is that you're you're sitting down and you're thinking about somebody that you wish, you know, would visit your church, right? And I think everybody has that person that like when they think about like, oh man, like some somebody I would I would love if they just showed up to church. And then you're thinking, okay, like how would I write this email to them? How excited would I be that they came? Or, you know, if you're writing a welcome sequence after they've actually come in person, um, you know, how excited would I be that they came? What questions would they have? What 
What would I want them to know? Um, but really your emphasis is going to be on what questions they're going to have. Right. So like, say the person in your mind is like a mom, you know, she's, she's in her thirties and you're thinking, okay, she's going to have questions about, um, you know, what now she's been to the kids check-in process. Like, is it going to be that same process every time or, you know, how, how often do they have things for kids? You know, you might be able to put her, give her some information for that. She, might have questions about like, what, what is there for me? Right. Like maybe the people at children's check-in did a really good job of explaining what there is for her kids, but now she's thinking, okay, um, like my kids are occupied. Is this just like free babysitting? What is there? Um, you know, so you're thinking about the questions that are on their mind and then trying to answer those. And then you're writing it. Like you're actually talking to them. You're not going like, here's a list in very like formal business writing. Obviously you don't want to use all the slang. Like I, at one time I used an acronym in an email I sent out and I got an email back and somebody was like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, okay. Oops. Inside. Like I, I, I did that. I took that a little too far. Right. But for the most part, you, you want to talk about, you want to talk right. As if you're talking to them. So. Yeah. And that's a good point for, you know, understanding that language vocabulary is really important. Uh-huh. And I think it makes it more personal when you make it easier to understand and less insight. Yes. You know, like you just, right. described. you know, that's a good point that using an acronym that you guys use all the time to describe something going on, new right. person doesn't know that. Right. that. That is how I naturally talk and how I would be talking to them in person, but it's not actually clear. So it's a conversational tone with a stranger. You know, it, it, and that's a, that's a hard balance for some to strike when they write, especially. It's, it's a hard balance for anybody to strike. Like it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of practice and thought. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a lot of, you know, to be said for just trying things and practicing. So right. uh, exactly. And, and the great thing about it is you try it, you practice and you get feedback if, if you don't get it. You know, you send out an email and people will say like, hey, what does this mean? What, what do I do? Where do I show up? When is it? You know, even if you're clear. <laughs> exactly. And that's when you get people saying, like, I knew I didn't know about this. And like, it was in the emails. Like, well, they didn't understand what you're saying. It's it's really helpful to have another set of eyes on emails. I think that we 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 have treated email as like a text message where it's just something we just fire off really quick. We do that all day. And and it's something that we kind of take for granted that it's it's just a simple form of communication, which is one of the things that makes it personal is that it's just, Hey, how's it going? Hey, we need this, you know, or what's up. And when we're writing to a massive amount of people, you, you we, we have to change a little bit in how we present that because it's going out to a lot of people. So it's helpful to have other people look at it before you send it out and take a little bit of time with your emails because they can find those types of things that you didn't see that you've gone nose blind to, I guess that you said an acronym and nobody knows what that is. Or you misspelled words and, you know, grammar's off, yeah. links are wrong. You know, that kind of stuff is super helpful. I know when we have a guy uh, named Brad that writes all our emails for our, for our church comm team, and he sends a test email to us, uh, to me, to our project manager. We review it. Then he sends a test to the client. They review it. And we all get that too. And then we send out the email if it's approved, unless we go round and round. If there's an edit or change, he sends another one. And you're like, that's so much, but it really does help. Yeah, it does. And again, automating it means you have time to do that. 
if you're sending it, if the email has to go out at 10 and you're writing it at 9.30, you don't have any time for that. Right. Exactly. And with the automations, you're exactly right. You can go through this long process, fine tune these things and make them really effective. Yeah. And then they just serve you for years. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I would say, well, what would you say? How often do you need to go check in on your automations to make sure everything's still up to date and still relevant? Um, probably quarterly. You could probably get away with less um, if things don't really change that much. But if your organization shifts or anything like that, you probably just want to go in and check. And if you do it that often, it's not going to take very long. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's great. Uh, quarterly is what I would say too. At least you know, once a quarter, maybe every third month, you, you have a timer set and you just go. Yeah. Make yep. sure everything's up to date. Correct. All the links. Yeah. If you, work. if you use Google calendar, you can set a little calendar reminder, have it repeat, yeah. you know, just, Super yeah. Hard. So let's switch and uh, talk about newsletters a little bit. Okay. Everyone does a new, well, I'm going to say everyone. <laughs> churches do the weekly quote newsletter. Yeah. Do you like that word? For no. You? Uh, what, <laughs> what do you like and why? Why don't you like that? And what do you like? I think I just, I think about newsletter and I think about clip art and I think about a lot of information I don't need. So no, I don't, I don't love it. I don't think it's a bad word. It just has some bad connotations. <laughs> Connotation. Yeah. So when you see yeah. our newsletter on your website, you're like, nah, no, thank you. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't tell you anything about it. And yeah. you know, it doesn't tell you what you're getting out of that email. Right. You know, like, yeah. why should I join this email? Right. Yeah. If it says, Join our email list for updates on, you know, whatever, like, you know, event changes, I will, I will sign up for it. It's, if it's for a newsletter, I'm like, hmm, do I need to? And, and what I, what I find a lot of a practice that a lot of churches are doing that we, you know, we'll get into here in a minute, but uh, is they just put you on the list and you didn't know you. Yeah. So we'll that. <laughs> first, when you're on the, on the list, let's say you, you got on the list and you want to be on the list. How do you make a list or an email list, you know, is what we're talking about where you get this newsletter, how do you make it worth staying on? What, what yeah. kind of things do you do? Like what's in it for them to stay on that list? What's a good example of that? So you want to like in the business world, you use, we use the phrase add value. You want to make sure that the information you're giving people is information they can actually use. That, that's what it means. So a lot of times that means that you're going to have people um, either in your congregation or on your team, depending on how your church is structured, who want something to go on the newsletter that applies to a very, very small number of people. And you're going to have to have a process or just be okay with saying no. If it goes to a small group of people, it gets its own email that goes to that group of people. It doesn't go in the newsletter that goes to everybody. So you want to make sure that the things you're talking about are things that people can actually use, you know, things, things that apply to the majority of your church. And it's kind of like, you know, announcements from the stage. If you have a limit of like three announcements and they can only be things that apply to everybody, you should have the same kind of um, mindset for your newsletter. That doesn't mean you can't send emails about those things that are for like small groups, but that means that you're sending it to those people and not to everybody, not to the big list. Yeah. Would you limit how many of like announcements you could have in a newsletter? Um, I would. What would you recommend? Personally, ideally, like you have an email that's like one thing. It's about one thing. The term newsletter doesn't really evoke that for me. So I, I think you probably could, you could probably, if you're sending out a newsletter, I think three would be okay. Maybe five, but probably three. Yeah. That's what yeah. I say. We always try to limit. Mm -hmm. We're sending one out this week that has, I think six. And, and I got the test and I was like, 
um what's happening dude um you know we yeah we, uh, hey, I, this I, is two weeks worth of email <laughs> yeah, i was like um i know there's a lot going on but you know because that's the thing is that we think man we have to tell people about this we have to remind people about this and there's a difference between sending them in information and communicating with them yes talk a little bit about what that difference is for email so you can send people information in email, like the example you just said, like the six things, like they got the information. You're going to get people saying like, I didn't know about item number five on that list or even number one, because they look at it and they may remember one thing in that email. They're not going to remember all six things. So communicating is the process of like, you actually got the information to them in a way that they remember and can use. Um, it's not just like blasting them with it. It's, it's actually like, making sure that they got it. Now that's not totally in your control, right? Like they might not be paying attention. They might not open your email. They might have 15 other things on their mind when they read your really clearly communicated email that prevents them from reading it. But if you've got six things in the email, like nobody remembers all six things perfectly. Right. And, and I would say sending people things that they don't care about is what makes it feel impersonal. That's true. Yeah. And if you've got six things, I can guarantee that there's at least three things on that list that every person you send on that list doesn't care about. Yeah. And, and it kind of trains them too, right? To, to ignore that email. That, oh, right. It, it decreases like from what we were just talking about, about like making your emails, like making it worth it to read your newsletter, to be on your newsletter. If I'm opening an email week after week that is full of information that doesn't really apply to me, I'm eventually going to just start deleting that email without reading it. Yeah. And, and it so, comes to some of the same stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, defining who this is for. It's not for everyone. Just like you're welcome. Right. To, you know, you're like, this is for people who have clicked plan a visit and have not been here yet. Right. Or, this is for people who have been here and have filled out a connect card. You know, that is a specific person. But then our newsletter mm-hmm. is like, this is for everybody. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, it's not. It's for people who are, are, are really on board to a certain level of mm-hmm. your church. And, and like, you need to really focus in on who that is to, to make that, that worthwhile. And I would say it's for adults. It's for mm-hmm. men and women who, who run families or are single and, you know, they're that's who it's for. So, you know, a student ministry announcement in your newsletter is going to apply to a small amount of people. That's where you get your parent email list and give them that, that announcement. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then they're happy because they got an email with exactly the information they needed to get their kid there. And they're like, great. I didn't have to dig for it in the newsletter. So that brings up the question, you know, then how many emails a week and how many a day? I mean, what, how do you structure all that? If you're going to send more than just the newsletter, if you define the newsletter as three announcements and it's for adults only, then, you know, you're going to send students and kids or college or, you know, seniors or young adults, you know, what are, how do you organize all that? Yeah, honestly, you you need a database. <laughs> or you need a or you need a really good spreadsheet if you don't have a database, but I would say you probably need a database. And you can I think it would depend on the size of your church and what's going on, but if you're sending the newsletter let's say once a week, it seems like a lot of emails to be sending. Um if you're segmenting, if you're you know, you're sending to parents of kids under 12 and parents of kids over 12 and you know all of those things, but really the number of people that those like crossover between those groups is going to be pretty small. 
So if you, if you can send, you know, if you've got your newsletter list and then you've got these other main segments and you'll know who that is based on who's in your church and you're sending, you know, once a week to each of those segments, maybe twice a week, if you've got a really big event or for them, it's not going to be an overwhelming amount because first of all, they're going to be getting messages that apply to them. And also, you know, you're sending two emails to the parents of kids under 12. Well, there might be some parents who also have kids over 12, but probably like they're not going to get, most of them are not going to be getting the emails that are going to your student ministry. So it seems like a lot from your end, but it's not actually going to be a lot on the user end. Right. And even even if you are like, say you're a person that has a junior high student, a preschooler, you know, or a a third grader or something like that, it gets the kids email. So you get the student email, you get the kids email and you get the adult email quote newsletter. That's Uh three emails. But each time you get that, it's like a new experience. Like you don't really realize that uh, this is my opinion. This is what I've experienced too, is that I don't feel like I'm getting bombarded by the church. I feel like this is when I'm going to read about stuff going on students. Great. And if I want to save that for later and go back when I need it, I can search now by student ministry emails. And yeah. I don't have to search for which newsletter that was in because I won't. Remember. Right. No. Right. And so it helps me to go back and find info later because we can all search our inboxes now pretty easily. But the same for yeah. kids. Like I'll get maybe on Tuesday, I get the kids e- or the student email. I get that on Wednesday and I get the kids email on Friday and I get the church email on Monday. You know, whatever your schedule is, I don't feel like I'm getting bombarded. I feel like I'm being handed information in little bits at a time. And I actually appreciate that. You know, that I can yeah. process that and move on with my day and have mm-hmm. that. So now you've communicated with me instead of just passing on info. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great, that's a great plan. So that feels personal to me. You know, that, yeah. makes, that makes it feel personal. Another way that people can make churches can make their newsletter personal is uh, not, we've talked about voice and tone, but like who writes it? So the pastor can be hit or miss. And if the pastor writes the little first section of your email and then you have announcements, you and I have both been in this situation. It's, <laughs> it's hard to get that on time sometimes. So we have yeah. frustration with it. Is there value in having the pastor write it? How does that work? And, you know, is that a good idea? Yeah. So I, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. It can be hit or miss. It, it depends on who your pastor is and, and you may not have a choice in it. If, if you're the person administrating all of this, the pastor, the lead pastor might say, I want to write a letter for the newsletter. And that might be what you have to do. If your pastor isn't in love with writing for the newsletter, it's, it's okay to write in their voice to say like, Hey, I'm going to write something. I'm going to run it by you. If you say it's okay, we'll send it. Obviously you want them involved in the process, but you don't like, you don't have to have them writing it for it to be from them. You can say like, Hey, you know, they can even cast the vision for it, um, but it's definitely something that can be delegated. And in some cases it's something that should be delegated so that it can be more to the point so that it doesn't, you don't lose people before they get to the information that they're going to need. So I think, I think there's value. I think there's value in having something from the pastor if that's the personal touch that you want to add, especially because people love, they love hearing with the pastor and connecting with him or her. But if they're not going to get it on time, or if that's just really not something that they're interested in doing, you can go ahead and outsource that. It's it's okay. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for what you, what you said, like, I'll write it, run it by you, you approve it or edit it. 
Yeah, for sure. And as you get to know, and this is one of the things I think communication directors and pastors really need to hang out, just hang out and be around each other and get each other, you know, because that helps the comms director or whoever's writing be able to write in that pastor's voice. I mean, hearing them on Sundays and, and speaking and stuff helps a lot, but you know, there are things that in your just regular communication that how they say things and phrases they would say and would not say, yep. that's really just helpful rather than trying to create some like spreadsheet to tell you what to say, you know, it's like just, be, yeah. just hang around them a little bit. So pastors, mm -hmm. I, I hope if you hear that, you would be generous with your time with your comms director to allow them to speak on your behalf because it really does just help you. It helps you a lot. Yeah. And how cool that you can, you can get the work done by investing in a person instead of staring at a blank page. Yes. And, you know, I've done the thing too, where you, you give the pastor, like, here's what you can write about each week. Uh -huh. You have like some kind of agreement. I find that they don't stay with that. <laughs> they they got to go with the spirit. Yeah. I mean, there's all, <laughs> I know we're supposed to write about small groups, but I'm really feeling this other thing. And you're like, well, okay. All right. Yep. So it really doesn't matter to us. I mean, we're, we're ready to do whatever. It's just, we just need it on in a time frame. Yeah, exactly. When, when your, your pastor is writing, how do you, what, what's a good system you think maybe for working with a pastor? Should they have it a, a day early, you know, do you just send, just email it to you or should they have access to MailChimp and go in there and write it from there, from there? I mean, I think you probably want to get it to, to them or like you want to have a deadline that's a little bit early. So you have time to get everything together. Obviously the newsletter is going to be a little less automated. You can probably do it a week or two in advance, but depending on what's going on, you're going to have details that you'll need to finalize anyway. In most cases, if you have somebody who can send your emails that's not the lead pastor, I think it's better to get that information to them so that it's off the lead pastor's plate, right? Because the worst thing when you're behind on work and you're trying to write a write a letter is to then have to go and write the rest of the email too. You know, you don't you don't know what the announcements are supposed to be that are supposed to be in there. Um, so if you can just make sure that you have somebody and you you have get you set that deadline for them a little bit early so that there's some grace and you you aren't going I needed that letter. 20 minutes ago, you know, two hours ago, whatever, then, then that I think goes better for everybody. Yeah. That, that's how we use that, that major messaging calendar template I talked about at the top of the show. Mm -hmm. that, that's what we, we use that to align everything that we plan with churches Correct. Uh, and email is one of those things. So we'll have a, a, a plan for email, like announcements each week. Mm -hmm. uh, and we even give like a topic you know, to for like a, a period of time, like it's going to be unity this month, or it's going to be <laughs> student ministry this month, or it's going to be, you know, whatever is, is important to them that they're doing as a church. So that well, if we write for them, cause we have to do that all the time, we have to write mm -hmm. in the voice of the pastor. And, and so we got to figure out not only what he or she sounds like, but you know, what do we talk about? You know, right. we got nothing, you know, <laughs> Email, we're like, all right, well, we're going to make it inspirational, which brings up a good question. So how inspirational should these newsletters really aim to be? Because a lot of them are just announcements and events. Right. And I feel like that's part of it. But this inspirational, like value bringing thing, what are some things that we can do to bring value on that front other than just the pastor going, I can't wait to see you this Sunday, you know, or whatever. Right. 
Yeah, because I mean, if it, if you open the newsletter and you're expecting information and you leave, you finish reading and go, wow, I'm glad I read that. I feel, you know, encouraged. I feel inspired. That's that's another thing that keeps people going, okay, I, I want to read these emails. So I think that's really important. Um, I think encouragement is something you can include. If you have like a letter from a leader or a pastor, that's a great place to put that in, you know, keep that encouraging, not just like, oh, hey, like, here's what's going on. I'm really excited about this thing. Like, no, okay, here's here's what something that encouraged my heart from scripture. Here's a story that I heard. Stories are great actually, because they are a way that you can make, communicate about what's going on, but in a way that's encouraging and not like pushy, like, Hey, you know, give to this thing or, Hey, you know, volunteer for this thing. Cause you can just say, Hey, you know, our, our student ministry, we, we did this conference. We saw these lives changed. Here's a story. It puts a human face on it. And it is really inspiring to read a story of what God's doing in somebody else's life. Um, another thing is just, and we do this, we try to do this a lot of times when we're talking to you know, church leaders at CMU, but just prayer. I think we underestimate how powerful even prayer like over an email can be, right? If you're- like Type out a prayer in, in Zoom yeah. when you type what you pray. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's- I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, people won't read that. But honestly, if you need the encouragement, there's there's nothing like knowing somebody's praying for you and exactly what they're praying, right? So if if there's something, I, you don't have to do that every week, but that's something where like if you have a burden as a staff or like as as a lead pastor um, for something very specific for your church, go ahead and like take ten minutes, pray about it, write write that down, and send it because that that will encourage your people. Do you think that uh, recording a video, hosting Vimeo, and then linking that in email as the, the kind of pastoral part, how does that play? Does that work well, or is that a lot of work for not a lot of payoff? You know, I don't really have any specific case studies to say on this, but I, I would, I would think it could work because video is really powerful. Uh, I think the danger that you run into then is that there's a link that they have to click to something else. And, you know, they might not come, they might not watch it. They might not come back to the video, um, but it's certainly something you could try. Yeah. I long for the day that we can actually figure out a way to embed an e- a video in an email that plays. Right. Email. Yeah. I, that would be perfect. That would, be great. <laughs> that would, I mean, if videos were just not enormous, you know, so. Right. <laughs> but that would be really cool. But yeah, you're right. It has to be a link that goes, takes you out, goes open a browser, brings up the mm-hmm. link or YouTube or whatever you, you're using. And, you know, we've done that for a client or two. And, you know, there's a couple that do that. And honestly, we've seen, I can't honestly say it has been hugely different. Okay. You know, it, it has been interesting, you know, yeah. done things with it. And we've allowed people to take their phones. You know, we did a, ser- a series over the summer like that because they use video and it was always the pastor. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to just rehash all the announcements that are below that video in the copy or the video. And sometimes that no. happens. But we were able to go through and like assign different voices in their church, like different staff members to talk about certain things that we'd planned for them. And they'd do a four or five minute devotional on it. And that nice. was the video we'd send. And it was like, that was great. I did really well yeah. because it was bringing that value. And I think it's about going, what could I do for my people when they open this email? Absolutely. Yeah. That that would help them grow. That would help them plug in. That would help them follow Jesus more. 
Right. And that's such a mindset shift, right? Because I think most of us sit down to write an email and we go, okay, what do I want people to know? Yeah. And, 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 and it's not... element, but... Right. That's an element of it. But if you sit down and start with that question, you're probably going to write an email that's less helpful than if you sit down and say, okay, how can I serve these people? Yeah. Because sitting down and saying, here's what I have to tell you is, is what do I need you to know for my benefit? Yeah. Yep. And you might think it's for their benefit, but really it's for our benefit. We want people to attend stuff. We want people to know stuff. We want people. And, and it's a good reason is that if they yeah. do, it'll bless them, it'll grow them. You know, it's good to do. But it just really doesn't come across that way. <laughs> no. It comes across as, hey, I need something from you real quick. Yep. Yep. Every week. I <laughs> <laughs> love getting that email and that text. Hey, you got a second? I need something from you. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? What now? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So let's talk about funneling. Okay. Where emails are meant to drive people to something. And a lot of times it's these events and signups and stuff, but what other things should we be looking to funnel people with, especially like a newsletter? How do you funnel people like to deeper connections in your church? Yeah. So I think that's a great, great question. and something that we should be thinking about with email. Probably a big thing is like events. If, if your event is set up to connect people, um, cool. Um, but I think probably the bigger opportunity is small groups or like specific ministries. So if you're funneling people to small groups, like one way to, a great way to do that actually is your welcome sequence, right? Like you start with yours, you know, the information you need to know, and then eventually you're getting them to sign up for either one small group that teaches them about your church. Sometimes churches do like a membership class before they put you in small groups, whatever, whatever your process is. I'm like, I'm not worried about that. But the important thing is, is that you have a process and then you have a way to move people from that to like, okay. Um, small groups. Here's here's how you engage in community. And, and it's good to do the small group push, I think, even when you're not pushing small groups. Exactly. Yeah. Just to talk about how important it is all the time, right? Because everybody's busy. Yeah. Pick right? two out of the year and like in every email, you mention something about small groups for four weeks. Right. Yep. You know, that yeah. type where it's like, that's not an announcement. That's what your topic is about. That's what your pastor's writing about. And you're actually putting a mm-hmm. button at the top about that. Like it's a focus. Right. I think that's great. And, and I think another is like the men's and women's ministries. Yep. You know, yep. it's good to funnel people. You always have, always have stuff going on in women's ministry. Oh yeah, for sure. Men's depends. Hit or miss. <laughs> is it Father's Day? Okay. <laughs> How early is it? Is my question. How early right. is it? If it's before 10, I'm out. I was. It's so funny. Like you can tell who is going to be at the men's ministry by what time it is. If it's in the morning, like it's everybody over 50, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like after 10 PM, it's like everybody that's in their twenties and thirties. Yep. Yep. Cause kids are in bed or, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're out hanging out and it's going to be on a weekend or yep. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch that. <laughs> but yeah, I think having that, like we said earlier, that pathway is where do you want them to go? What do you want them to do next? Like when they get this email, what do you want them to do? A lot of times it's just sign up for an event. Right. right. And yeah. And if we're stopping at events, we're we're shortchanging our people. I think so too. A Bible reading plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Create one of those. I think you can make your own in like the U version app, can't you? 
Yeah. I mean, so I just was talking to somebody today about apparently there's like a wait list to get onto that right now, but yes, you can, you can sign up and, but they've got a ton you can use. They've got a ton. You can use them. Um, you can send those out via email. Honestly, if you can't get on new version, I, I used to be on a church staff where you, if you joined, we had a, we had a newsletter list, but we also had a, a devotional list. They mm. had a team of writers that would write devotional content every single day that went out. Oh via email and you could sign yeah. that list to get devotional content at like 6 a.m. every morning. That's crazy. Yeah. I think it was six days a week. So they, they expect you to be at church on Sunday. So they're not doing one for Sunday, but mm-hmm. uh, like six days a week, you get uh, content like that. And they had it months in advance planned and done. And they actually shared their, their campaign via MailChimp to, to Facebook, which I told them, Don't, this is a waste of time. <laughs> why, why join the list if it's going to be on Facebook? But still, it was uh, it was it was it was one of those things where I was like, it's a massive undertaking to do something like that. But what a ministry it is! Right. Those that you know don't know where to read or how to read the Bible, and just need that that daily lift. So I think thinking creatively about what you can do with email to enhance someone in your church's discipleship journey, yes, is, is a valuable process worth a couple of hours to sit down in a meeting and talk through. Yeah, for sure. On the lists, we live in a time where consent is far more, I don't want to say it's important because it's always been important, but yes, consent now is, is to the forefront, especially of young people. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by consent is you don't get to show up at my house. You don't get to call me. You don't get to send me a text or send me an email if I don't want you to or didn't ask you to. Yep. It's very invasive. Yes. So, so in the age of consent, what are some practices for getting people on your list that are not icky? Okay. So one, one way is to always make sure that you, that they know they're signing up for your newsletter or your list or whatever, when they give you their email address, right? That, that seems pretty simple, but it's not always really clear when you're, when you're setting up a contact field on your website or whatever, just, just make sure that people know. And then there's, there's that. There's also something that you can do inside your database called a double opt-in. So what that means is somebody plans their visit, signs up for your email list some other way, you know, using a connect card or whatever. And then the first thing you do, the first email you send them is one that says, hey, welcome to church name email list. Click here to confirm that you would like to receive emails from us. That in email terms is called a double opt-in. And it's a really smart move because it means that everybody who's on your list wants to get messages from you. And that's, that's good. I could like, I could go, I could get into like why that's good for email list health, but basically as somebody who's sending emails as a communications person, that's your dream is to have a list full of people who want to be getting emails from you, who are opening your emails, who are reading them, who are clicking any links you send. That's going to mean that your emails don't end up in spam. It's going to mean that they get put in the inbox, not in like the shady promotions folder. And it, it's going to mean that your list is healthy and you don't really have to spend a lot of time, as much time maintaining it. So, and I, know, I know that many of us take the, that list and, and just printing its little, little checkbox mm-hmm. card that says, I agree to receive email communications from this church. Or putting that on your, on your opt-in list on, on the web. So if you have yeah. a form on your, on your, on the website, that's mm-hmm. another place to do it. There's something called GDPR 
it happened yeah. to and you know, I had to look up what it stands for. It's General Data Protection Regulation. <laughs> but GDPR basically means it puts the onus on the person sending the email to get permission before sending. In America, it's still legal though. You can send and then get, but you have to give them the right to opt out. And they can opt yeah. out. So you can send that email and they can stay on your list, but they can opt out. Yep. I think a more I don't know how to describe it. Uh, a little less sleazy process yeah. is is to because that's a marketer move, right? I'm going to email you. Hey, and you can. It's like saying I'm going to put bad stuff on TV, and you don't have to watch. You know, right. that same kind of argument. Is I'm going to send you an email. You don't have to get them, and then who knows where that goes after that. But but like having people go, I want to get emails from you. Like you said, is a dream. It is what yeah. you, it's why when you look at your list that we have 1700 contacts and we sent 1300 emails. Well, it's because you got that difference or people that opted out don't want it, you know, yeah. and, and that's not great. So, um, should we delete them? In a lot of cases. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could see making a case for like, if somebody goes to your church and you need to have access to their email in case you need to like, you know, send them a personal email, not an automated one, like, okay, leave them in the database. But if it's somebody who doesn't have anything to do with your church, who, you know, maybe signed up for something on your website by accident or who doesn't, you know, live in the area, like, yeah, just, just delete them unless you know who they are. Yeah. Just get them out of there. I think that's why it's important to have a list tag or a segment of your list that you send that weekly newsletter to that you don't just send it to everybody Mm -hmm. list because then if they don't want it, they'll opt out. And now they're not getting any emails from you. Right. Yeah. And, and even if they don't opt out, but they just don't read it or they, they just delete it without opening it, that can be harmful as well. Like then that, that opens you up to the possibility that the people who do want to read your emails aren't going to get them because they're, those people are telling the email providers, I don't really want this email. And the email providers are going to go, okay, like we, we want people to use our email services. So we're not going to put these emails in people's inboxes. We're going to put it in the promotions folder. We're going to put it in the spam folder. So that's where your email goes to die. Yes, exactly. And and if you think that because you're emailing that everyone's getting it. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. We have bad news for you today. <laughs> does not just because you sent one doesn't mean they got it. It means they've right. gone to the junk folder because of bad practices, whatever. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. something that many leaders who are pastors struggle with that of the, the delete, the bounces or delete the non-openers. And, and you can always send like a, I grab that group of people, send them an email. Yeah. Say, hey, you still want to do this? And yeah. Are we still friends? Like yeah, I haven't heard from you in a while. How's it going? You know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff where you just try right. to re uh, it's called a cold subscriber list. And so you're trying to warm them back up to, to hot leads as they say, mm-hmm. but basically contacts that are paying attention and care. Yep. about what you're doing. So you're trying to get them back in, but when you delete someone or you move them off that list, that's why it's like have the other list, the newsletter list that you can say, let's take them off this list, but we still got their contact. And if we want to send a men's email, or a women's email, they can still get those that were, that were safe. If they need receipts for their donations or whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, you still mm-hmm. want to be able to communicate with them in a, in a pinch. Right. For things, but uh, you don't have to uh, have them every, every single week. Because some people are like, hey, I go to church, I hear the announcements, I follow you on social, which is yeah. a terrible place to go for info. Because uh, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the place, but <laughs> I don't even see it. 
but you know, they may go, well, I don't need this or I'm on yeah. I ministry stuff. So I'm on that list. And then they're happy. Yep. You know, and yep. they feel like you're sending them valuable things and you've got a good relationship and that feels personal because I'm only sending you stuff that you care about. Yes, exactly. So I feel like that's, yep. a, that's a good move. As we, as we wrap up here, I wanted to talk through, you know, that cold subscriber. What would you say? You mentioned a few things. What would you say to them if, you know, you're trying to rewarm them up? Yeah, I think, I think it's good to make the direct ask sometimes just be like, Hey, haven't heard from you in a while. Are we still friends? Are you still interested? And hearing updates about the church, you know, what can, what can we do to serve you? And if, you know, they don't, they don't, a lot of times you can set that up. So like they can just click a link to say like, yes, I'm still interested. If they don't respond. If they don't click that link, then, you know, okay, that's, that's really not their thing. You can also try to say like, Hey, based on what you know about them, you know, if, if they filled out a card that said they had kids, you can say like, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and send an email about an upcoming kids ministry to them. See if they'll register. Um, see if they have questions and respond, you know, things like that. So um, if you don't have a lot of information about them, that's a little harder, but if you have something to go on, you can kind of segment them and say like, okay, um, are you still interested in this? Yeah. And you and you send them that, that, send them that update your preferences link. Don't send them an yeah. update. <laughs> no. Yeah. Just... Send them an update. Yeah. Send them an update your preference link and yeah, see, see what they'll do. There, there's going to be an opt out link in every email that you send them. That's just like the law. But try to try to get them to update, to tell you more, to tell you how to help them better and how to serve them. Which that might be a good email to send if you don't have any of these segments or lists or anything in place. Right. Is yeah, like, hey, I, we're trying to update our database. Tell us what you would like to get information about. And if you want the newsletter, you need to sign up for the newsletter. Yeah. And something that's very important when you're doing that is that when you send that email, you have a plan for how you're going to use those segments, right? If you say, hey, tell me what you want to hear more about. And children's ministry is an option and you have no plans. Of ever sending emails out about children's ministry, don't put it on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've done that with my own personal list too. You know, I have uh, this podcast. And so if you join my email list on my website, you know, it goes into the general weekly kind of thing. But if I send you a link to a podcast and you click one of those things, it puts you on a segmented list of podcasts. So mm-hmm. I know like, Hey, you're, you're clicking links to go to a podcast. So I know that you might be interested in podcasting. Some of some email providers do that. Some don't, but yeah. um, you know, that's, that's some way that you let people to kind of tell you what they want to know, um, about what they want to know about, whether it's a blog, whether it's services from church con team, whether it's, uh, you know, they want to get know when the podcast drops or for right. a church, it's like, I want to know when kids ministry, student ministry, women's men's adult stuff mm-hmm. happens and your stuff happens, or I just want to get the general info every week. Yeah. email. And I think telling them up front, man, what are you going to get when you get in this newsletter is so important because it lets yeah. them decide if I want to be on that list. Yeah. And if you're thinking, well, if we told people what was in the newsletter, nobody would sign up for it. Mm. Then you probably need to change your newsletter. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a bad on this. Bad on you. No, you don't need to trick people into being on the newsletter. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> or or have that shady practice of just we're just going to put you on there and you start emailing you. Right. I know yeah. a lot of churches do that, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. especially if they're using like their database and not a third party thing like Mailchimp, right. or Active Campaign, or Sendfox or something like that. You know, you've got. Uh, Church Community Builder or Fellowship One, God forbid, or uh, <laughs> some or planning center, you know, and something right. that has this email function that you can group things together. 
talk to me real quick as we finish here between those two things do those have different roles like your database email stuff and your 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 third party kind of marketing tool email and how do you use those differently yeah i think you know in a church context in a business context they're one and the same right but in a church context i think a case can be made for okay we use the database for our day-to-day operations for like following up with people for knowing who they are getting to know them you know um, keeping any sort of information on them. And then we use our marketing tools for actually making those lists. We export the list from our from our database and we actually sync create them. lists inside our, yeah, we sync them up inside our marketing um, thing because your church community builder or planning center, you might be able to do those things, but it's not really created for that. It's created to help you know your people and for your people to know each other. And that's a very different purpose than like emailing out. So yeah. If you're using that, I mean, you can integrate those things so that you're using templates from your third party to send emails to your database, and that's a little complicated, but it's it can be done. Yeah, you can do it, mm-hmm. and and that way you you have one system to really learn and let your comms mm-hmm. team create all your templates for you, so it looks nice. Right, but um, but <laughs> I don't think it matters that it looks super nice. Uh, oh no, no, email. Yeah, uh, it's not a magazine. No, it's not. You know, you're not sending a a, a a a beautifully designed infographic every week. Right. I, I have time to read a note from somebody that I know or care about. I don't have time to read a magazine just at, at the drop of a hat. And, and I got to be honest, templates from MailChimp are popular because they look really nice and they do. Yeah. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and others have active campaign has them, camp, uh, uh, constant contact has them. They'll all look great. Right. Yeah. But... It's an email. Yeah. No, it's not. It's, it's when I see all that, I'm like, right. This is going to take a lot of time to get through. Yeah. It's going to take time. And sometimes, you know, like I'm, we're all on like a million email lists, right. But like I'm on the Michael Hyatt email list. It's a great email list. Like they do such interesting things. Sometimes I open their messages and it takes like 10 seconds to load all the graphics. And I'm like, okay, I'm over it. Yeah. You know, I like, I'm impatient. Right. And, but I think everybody is because you're reading the email and you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an ad and you don't, you know, you don't really want to buy this thing. Or like, if it's from your church, you know, you probably should be informed about your church, but you have like 15 other things you could be doing right now. Right. So take in that 10 seconds that it takes to load. It's not just impatience. It's also like thinking about what are like my kids crying, you know, or, or I've got this other thing for work that I really should be doing, but I'm checking my email, mm-hmm. you know? So and. And I think, a, you know, a, a great point to end on here is that where we are now, the majority of people, I would say all, but I'm going to be safe and say the majority <laughs> in my experience, I've noticed that we as a people are far more selective about what we give our time and attention to that um, things have changed. You know, our, our priorities have changed. What we're willing to tolerate has changed. What we're willing to give our time and attention to has changed. You know, we've long known that the church has moved out of the center of the community. It's it's not the center. The, the school is the center of the community. It, def- yeah. it defines what you do and everything else has to work around it. You know, 50 years ago, it would have been the church, you know, and as we've dras- gradually moved away from that, that the church has had to adjust its schedules around what goes on at the school. A lot of times people do that anyway. 
yeah. the church does it or not. So the, the thing has shifted, but now in the last couple of years, you know, things have shifted in the sense of in digitally where we don't trust everything. We're not welcoming everything in. We're not as open to just receiving messages. It's like, no, right. we've seen the harm some of this can do. We've, we've realized there's some, we need to take ownership over what we're viewing online and people I think are taking that seriously a little bit more. And so what emails I get, what I spend time reading, what text messages, what websites I visit, what, who I follow on social, all yeah. of that has been greatly become incredibly, we've become incredibly selective about it. Mm-hmm. So when you're sending emails, that's something you have to really think about. Yeah. Why should they care to hear from me? Right. Because they're not thinking about your church until Saturday night. <laughs> you know, yeah. Go you want to go in the morning? I don't know. Is it going to be cold? You know, it's like, <laughs> Is it going to rain? Gonna yeah. Rain? Uh, <laughs> are, are my favorite sports ball team playing? You know, right. like they, they're, they're thinking that way so much more. I'm tired or we had a big day today, you know, or do we want to do home church and, you know, things like that. Do I want to hear from a church on Thursday? Do I want to hear right. from a church on Tuesday? And if I do, it better be really important and it better not waste my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an honor. It's an honor to have people read your emails. Yes. And so yeah. thinking through that, and, and that's why I'm, I'm really thankful for this conversation because thinking through these things is something that you should sit down with as a leader as a comms director and really define what do we want to accomplish? What do we help? How are we helping people? What's our pathway? What's our goal? And really get good at making emails, honestly, shorter. <laughs> just, yeah. Just shorter. And it really does. It relates back to that vision for the church, right? If you're trying to lead people into deeper discipleship, what does that look like? And then that should determine the emails that you're sending. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For a purpose. Yeah. Well, this has been really helpful. I really appreciate your time and insight. I know that you guys do great work at CMU. So you guys go check out CMU, Church Marketing University. Uh, you can follow her, Julianne, at The Adventures of Julianne on Instagram, yep. especially. Uh, but uh, go check out churchmarketinguniversity.com and all those great things. And then go get my major messaging calendar. That'll help you out. Yeah. Uh, that'd be really great. And check out Church Comm Team. So thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. We hope this has been really helpful. And if it is, I hope that you'd share it. Share it with some friends, share it with some people that might need to hear this episode uh, or others. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you again very soon on the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. See you.